everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's been a hot minute, but we've been busy and a combination of on vacation as well. Gab, what are you drinking? <laughs> we have. We have. It's it's still preseason, right? Like, it's preseason hasn't really even started. Teams are back in, in camps and shit. Don't make me feel guilty for us not doing this more often. It was our um, off season too. I so. I am drinking Dr Pepper and bourbon. Oh, I wish. I, I am. Wish. In the office, in the office, drinking a Dr Pepper and bourbon. Well, it's cleared up. We're recording at six p.m. your time, so yes, it's not like it's. You know, the middle of the day or anything. Yes, I think we've already established I do not work in a Mad Men type of environment. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yes, this is all very just, it's the end of the day. Yeah. You just want to kind of ease into the evening. I do. That's my goal. I'm drinking water. Oh, yeah? I don't know what it is. I couldn't get enough of it all day long. I just felt like... I chugged over a liter and a half of it, and I was still... So I I think something is actually a crossed wire. Like, my body wanted something else, but all I could come up with was thirsty. So the more I drank, the like I wasn't satisfying the actual need that my body had. But now it seems to have gone away, so I guess we'll never know. You will never know what, the, what your body was actually craving. <laughs> I mean, that's just the general status of my life. <laughs> i don't know what my body's craving so i'm just gonna give it the healthiest thing i can possibly think of yeah i should probably Water. put some vegetables i had a salad today like that helped in theory with my life i guess kind of i mean it's gonna help you poop as much as anything can help with my life right now it's gonna help you poop okay so let's just jump right in because so much has happened we're not going to catch up on all of it because too much has happened and some of it, you know, has already been really well-worn. But I think this is a big topic that you and I have talked about frequently over the episodes and the years. The women's national team finally brought a lawsuit against U.S. soccer, alleging unequal pay. Oh, it's escalated. It's at this level. Because, <laughs> and it's not out of nowhere, right? Like, there's been years and years of back and forth, primarily centered around the CBA, but... There was also uh, an EEOC, an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission report filed in 2015, 16. Well, so that's the thing is like that got filed and I filed away the complaint in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, it was it was was it before or after it was after the last Women's World Cup. It was March 31st, 2016. I have the timeline yes. right in front of me. Right. Because I, so, I was going to say, that's actually when they filed that is when I start boycotting the U.S. Women's National Team mm. and U.S. Soccer. Like not, not not giving them money. Yeah, yes. like not giving them money. Um, although I must admit, I have full disclosure, I did concede $30 to them once. So that I could go to go into a StubHub Center in LA and see my friends. I mean, now you can kind of funnel money more directly to the players because I think the Women's National Team Players Association has merchandise and stuff, and so does the NWSL Players Association. So it's a better way to like you can boycott the federation but still support the players with your money. Yep, it's excellent. Yeah, that's nice. Unions. Unions forever. I imagine that. And union, somebody, somebody was smart. Union is one of the things that's helping them get, you know, to the state of this lawsuit and also to the point where U.S. soccer isn't laughing them out of the room. Yes. I think U.S. soccer is paying attention very closely, even though Carlos Cordero kind of put out, in my opinion, sort of a passive-aggressive, dismissive statement. Well, wouldn't you, if, if you thought that some women were just having some frivolous complaints about your obviously world-class organization, I would put out the exact same statement. I don't see how... So, obviously, the court of public opinion is not the same as a legal court, but I don't see how, in planning for the future, U.S. soccer can't see the way the wind is blowing, with the women's team having a lot of public opinion behind them for the past couple of years. Like... 
whenever the big national outlets pick it up, like Today Show or whatever, like um, John Oliver or whoever covering the topic, they're pretty much on the women's side, you know, for a lot of good reasons. And I would have just sat there and ate my food, you know, or at the very mm-hmm. least be like, just we're investigating this. We continue to value our partnership, the U.S. Women's National Team, um, and hope that we can, you know, look forward to a successful World Cup and blah, blah, blah. Like, just looking at his statement on Twitter, a couple paragraphs in, he's talking about how they've done all this work with the national team. We were therefore surprised by the complaint filed last week. It's like, really? Were you that surprised? Dude, you've had all the complaints filed against you. That's such a passive-aggressive, like, well, I thought we were doing so well. I was so surprised. I thought we were friends. Yeah, bless your heart. I just didn't realize you were this fired up about it. If I had known, if you had only told me, we could have solved this ourselves privately instead of airing out our dirty laundry in front of everybody. You and your southern accent are spot on right now. (laughs) I don't think Carlos Cadero sounds exactly like Julia Roberts in Steel Magnolias, but that's what it feels like. No one is more passive-aggressive than an injured southern woman. No. Anyway, so, I mean, there's been various articles about the merits of the case. Obviously, stuff like this often comes down to discovery, but there's a lot of damning evidence that they've brought forth. Like, even though U.S. soccer seems to be doing a little better now, there's years of injurious behavior to investigate that I think you can kind of boil down to, you know, very hard and fast facts, stuff like charter flights and... Uh Uh-huh. Hopefully the court will be able to compel them to actually separate how much marketing money they devote to men versus women. How much marketing money? I mean, so here, the chain of events that I thought was amazing. First off, International Women's Day is the day that they decide to file this. So good at PR. (laughs) Yeah, little bit of PR on a really great day for it. Then uh, the kit launch happened the thing that nike did mm-hmm. the bringing all the, in, in the France, yeah. their nike nike sponsored federations together for a photo shoot yep and then assault in the wound you see u.s soccer men's team marketing a kit with three stars on it that may have been a mistake but it's a hell of a mistake given that i think u.s soccer and nike are both on notice that women's national team fans and and men's national team fans i think are displeased in like not necessarily particularly the three-star issue but the fact that men can't get a three-star women's jersey like in the men's cut or or like women who prefer the straight cut versus the fitted cut which is i guess that's probably better straight versus fitted instead of men's versus women's yes you know not yes. not all not all men's and women's body types are the same. Anyway, yes. I mean, I I would prefer if I were the type that were giving money to an organization like U.S. Soccer, I would prefer a straight cut as opposed to a fitted kit. Same. So they're aware that there's already issues, like not the greatest uh, confidence in them when it comes to dealing with men's versus women's jerseys, and if to make a mistake like that. That's some basic ass shit. Like, right? Don't put stars anywhere on the men's jersey, even don't. if it's just a like detail on the back. Or if you're gonna put them on, don't put three. Exactly. Like, super simple here, guys. And then to compound that, um, so as John Halloran pointed out with his tweet, there's currently seven jerseys available for sale in the U.S. soccer store, and zero jerseys in the women's soccer store available there's this huge nike kit launch u.s soccer puts out a giant press release with like all this cool shit about it's a throwback to the 99 jersey it's got three star details you know it's got the names of all 50 states on the back of the jersey and then they don't immediately make it available for sale in their store like what kind of cack-handed approach to making money is that that's another thing that you can add to like if I were the person, the lawyer in charge of this lawsuit, I'd be like, taking notes, taking notes. Right? Like, to me, that's exactly it. Like, what I love about that, that's why I brought it up, is because you are, you have to look at this in the chain of events. You have to look at this as like, okay, here's another example, or here's another area where they fall short. 
Yeah, it's the totality of the evidence. It's never just one thing. A lot of times when you're working on gender discrimination suits, there's not going to be one smoking gun, like we've said before. Like, there's not going to be Carlos Cordero sending an email that's like, hey, and by the way, don't give any money to those pesky women, wah, 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 you know, chomping on a cigar. Although they, I mean, that would be that would be fun. Although they did um, cite, you know, previous statements from Cordero and like Kathy Carter, where they're admitting basically, yeah, U.S. soccer hasn't treated the women's game equitably. They haven't. Yeah. I was like, I'm so pleased to see your own words being used against you. Because... Right, but wasn't wasn't that uh, during the election process, though? Yeah, but here's the thing. So either he meant it, in which case it should be used against him, or if he's like, I was just saying that to get elected, it's like, oh, so you didn't believe it. There's no win here. True. Just another typical, like, U.S. soccer bad at handling their women's national team. It's more likely than you think. U.S. soccer bad at handling women. Am I wrong? I mean, I've been accused of the same thing, but that usually just ended in, you know. No, you haven't. Stop it. (laughs) Me breaking up with one person, not, you know, insulting an entire gender. (laughs) (laughs) You have not been accused of such a thing. Stop it. Some exes who might disagree with you. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it self-flagellating <laughs> i've actually only done the breaking up like once the like i would say like 80 percent of the time the breaking up is done to me oh no that's which not might good. be <laughs> once we start approaching a couple more numbers might start becoming statistically significant <laughs> i mean i've i've only been broken up with once and it sucks so i can't imagine that being normal i got dumped on valentine's day in high school oh that's my memory of it what yeah that no bueno yeah it was boarding school too so we what so you couldn't go anywhere we lived in the same dorm and you're all locked in at 10 p.m at night so what can you do but (laughs) just cry and see that person first thing in the morning (laughs) just cry and like rock yourself back and forth i'll tell you exactly what happened after she dumped me i did my pre-calc homework and i went to class (laughs) The pre-calc homework calmed me down because it was something I could focus it did. on. And then I just, I got a good grade on it too, as I recall. Oh, I'm sure you did. I mean, you don't do bad grades if there's anything I know about you. <laughs> so who, I'll tell you who does do bad grades. U.S. soccer. I give oh them a... God, you and your transition. I give them a D- minus for this handling <laughs> of this whole women's national team situation. Oh my God. D-. minus. I'd give them an F. Oh. Just straight up F. Okay. No no extra credit don't pass go don't collect two hundred dollars you're definitely not going to collect my two hundred dollars you're so much nicer than i'm so soft-hearted like if i were a ta now i'd be giving everybody like partial credit half point here and there i'm like school's hard enough without me being a hard ass but school is hard wow i you need to go back into academia no, never again. God forbid. <laughs> I guess you're right, Me though. Too. U.S. soccer is not some struggling 19-year-old who's, like, you know, sad about being away from home and, like, just got dumped for the second time in their life. It's it's U.S. soccer. It's a multi-million dollar theoretical nonprofit association. So, F. Right. Theoretical nonprofit association <laughs> is correct. I I don't know, man. Like, were you blindsided by this? Were you surprised by... Yes, by... I was surprised by it. I'm sure other people knew it was coming. Like, obviously, Andrew Doss, the New York Times, had it ready to go because he's got well, the yes. inside scoop. I was, like, trying to get ready to go to Captain Marvel that night. International Women's Day was, like, the official premiere date for Captain Marvel. <laughs> I'd already seen You're it like, the night before. You were in Captain Marvel. No, I had already seen it the night before. I went to, like, the okay. midnight showing on Thursday. But, you know, I... I wanted to enjoy my Friday showing as well. And then this shit drops and I'm like, Oh my God, this is such like, you pick the date so deliberately, like well-played guys. But (laughs) (laughs) I was in Hawaii. I was on vacation and uh, pickle freaking wakes up. And, and the first thing she says to me is like, did you see the lawsuit? Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw a thing, but I didn't realize it was, like, a thing. Yep. So, 
the first step, I guess, here is they're asking to be certified as a class, which is exactly what it sounds like. You can't have a class action without a class of people. And the way the court determines a class essentially is um, they're all like similarly situated. And like the one ruling in this case would satisfactorily resolve all of their complaints at the same time, right? So they all have a similar enough complaint that one solution is good enough for all of them. Dun, dun, dun. Which obviously it is here. They're, I think they're not going to have any problem being certified as a class. Um, and then they'll probably move on to other stuff. But, you know, this is not going to get resolved for the World Cup. Unless U.S. soccer no. just wants to wash their hands of it and be like, fine, fine, fine. We just want to settle. We don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't think that's going to happen, though. So. It's going to be interesting. I, I mean, maybe maybe U.S. soccer will want to just settle. What would that look like? Like, what what do you think the number is? And maybe we know this, but like, what do you think the number is that U.S. soccer would have to fold up onto a piece of paper, write on a piece of paper, fold up, slide across the table to Pino, and for her to be like, yeah, that'll do. So it's not, they're not asking for back pay for like all of time um, for the But like if they wanted to settle though, right? uh, Yeah, so... So in their filing, they wanted to include players who are with the national team from February 4th, 2015 through the date of final judgment. So that's kind of the time period we're looking at. So if you use that time period, you can kind of do some back of the envelope math on just how much money they think they're missing out on based on, you know, men's national team revenue uh-huh. um, and the value of the benefits that the men's national team got in terms of like uh flights and per diems and all that other stuff Obviously, so what do you think the number is well i think it's also complicated because of the different pay structures right so you can't necessarily be like well they make like two million dollars with their mls team and comparably but i guess they can also look at like the bonus structure per game and stuff and making rosters and then there's 50 players I mean, it's probably going to be back pay totaling in the millions, but not high millions. What does high millions mean to you? Um, High millions to me means like over five million. Uh, I think it, it's going to be upwards of like 25 million. Really? Yeah. I think I, I'm selling it short a little bit, but you know me. I tend to be really conservative with you stuff like this. You are really conservative. I assume the they worst. They are bringing the book down on U.S. soccer. This organization just won its third World Cup. You're right, though, because they're not just asking for back pay. They're also asking for, like, any punitive damages that the court yes. sees fit to, like, prevent U.S. soccer from doing this again. Enough to make them be like, hey, remember the last time? It hurt so bad. We're never going to do this again. Yes. Like I people... mean, re- remember there was a scare for a little while there that uh, we were, who was going to go to the Olympics? That was right around the time all of this was originally happening was like, oh shit, who would we have to send to the Olympics if these guys boycott? If these guys strike? And that's going to include attorney's fees and the firm they hired is no chump change firm. That's why I'm saying 25 mil. Okay, I could. You've made your case. Like you, you very easily convinced me. I was, <laughs> I was seriously lowballing it. Although 20, when you think about 25 it, twenty-five mil in the grand scheme of overall sports, twenty-five mil would be like chump change in any other like men's sports to settle an issue. Like I could see them also doing that nice thing where they're like. We also don't want to impact the future of U.S. soccer overall, so we're not going to ask for like $100 million here because you don't have it. What? Uh, uh, you don't think U.S. soccer has $100 million right Of course they now. do. We know they have like, a, what, roughly $125, 150000000 like surplus? Yes. But they're not going to be like, okay, give us every single penny you have extra. Well, I think, you're right. I think they realize like that's not going to be helpful for future negotiations because what happens when the next CBA comes around and U.S. Soccer is like, hey, you guys are real assholes about the lawsuit, so we're going to be real assholes about the CBA this time. Wasn't that part of this lawsuit, though, that they want to restructure what their CBA is? Like they want to they want to restructure. They want to do like a profit sharing type of situation for future earnings. 
Yeah, that was part of it, where they said straight out, like, okay, if U.S. soccer is gonna try and argue that because the the structures are different, like, that justifies us getting less, then let's move, let's have the women move to the same model as the men and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And then U.S. soccer didn't want to do it. I was, I thought that was interesting that they called U.S. soccer's bluff, essentially, on that one, and U.S. soccer was like, no, we're cool with the whole salary thing. Yeah, we're cool with the way that we're kind of gouging you guys right now. We don't really want to go to the way where we make less money. Although one of my concerns is, so they talk about like ticket pricing being one of the impactful things where women's prices are generally set lower than men's. And I see that as a huge plus. I would rather see men's ticket prices lowered to the women's level rather than women's ticket prices brought up. Mm-hmm. Like, the tickets are already approaching too expensive for the women's team. They're flat-out outrageous for the men's team. Agreed. I'm I'm a little bit worried about that. I guess we'll see. Good luck to the team. I hope this doesn't distract them during the World Cup. I mean, I guess it's not like their coach got fired after an inquiry, though. It's not like it. I just, I mean, it's going to be this year. This is a really interesting element to throw into the happenings this year. It's a year where we're not seeing growth in the league. We're not seeing the league shrink, which is nice. Uh, it's nice that uh, that the rain were able to figure out what they were, what they're doing with, with themselves, but it's not pointing towards stability in women's soccer, or it could be, it could be pointing towards, strength right like it's it it may not it may not be speaking about stability but it might be speaking about strength can you imagine the women's national team doing this in 2011 or 2010 it would be them trying to rub pennies together being like can you guys just like not put us on school buses you and i if we were doing this podcast in 2010 talking about this issue would probably be a lot more like "Ooh, i don't know like, this seems rough. Like, do they have any leverage? What's going to happen? But two World Cup wins and, you know, some Olympic medals and a little bit of, like, social change later, they're in a much stronger place to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right that it all the upheaval feels unstable, but it's it might be the necessary growing pains. It's gonna be interesting what they do. What's also interesting, how many, okay, so here's, you might have said this earlier when you were doing your back of the napkin math when you were, when you were trying to estimate your measly little $5 million. Um, how many players do you think that this affects? I mean, the suit itself says more than 50 people based on U.S. soccer's own payroll. Anybody who came in starting from early 2015 and on. So many people. Because even, so 25 people, when you do class action, it means everybody gets an equal share, right? Or do they then, like, evaluate it? Yeah, there's different class members. There's different class members. So within the class, there's, like, tiers. I mean, I that makes sense, right? Uh, Alex Morgan is probably going to deserve more back pay and compensation than somebody who was in camp twice. True. Uh, but I, I would actually make the argument, does Alex Morgan deserve more back pay when she has the Nike sponsorship? I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. The amount of work that she does for U.S. soccer is probably going to be the factor here. All right. All right. All right. Sorry to let you down, comrade. No, I'm fine. I'm it's fine. The other thing that I really liked is they basically just listed the whole team as parties in the suit. And then we got to see like the leadership structure of the team, right? Because they listed the leaders of the class action first. So it's uh, Morgan, Pino, Sauerbrunn, Carly Lloyd. I wonder if Carlos is going to get the armband. I don't know. I wonder if Pino will get the... Like, part of me... This happened right after She Believes, right? Yeah. Like, literally, the next day. It was, like, a day or two, maybe. Like, what do you think it's going to be like going into camp next time? Um, I mean, we're going to find out very soon, I think. Like, uh, 
I think Carly gave up the jig that players are leaving pretty early for their teams from NWSL. So Tannenwald tweeted today, Jonathan Tannenwald, that Carly Lloyd said national team players are going to leave their clubs after the last weekend of April. Uh, but that's probably for the World Cup because we have two friendlies coming up that they're probably already going to be leaving for soon. April 4th and April 7th. So that's uh, just about two weeks from now. So they'll probably be with their teams maybe through the end of March. Maybe. If they're being generous. And then they go out and play Australia and Belgium. Yeah, I think we'll find out very soon. So the Carly thing actually, it makes me reconsider some of the combos we had about Sky Blue and like why wasn't she standing up there. And she's, you know, made a few more comments in the press lately about how she agrees that it was a situation that needed to be fixed and you know she sticks the she stands by the players who did say something anonymously or not like we don't know what goes on behind the scenes although it could be equally a case of she's not a leader at sky blue but she is one at the national team but we just don't yeah. know but i think if her teammates are willing to allow her to take the lead on this lawsuit which i hope is the case instead of her going like hey can I be part of the leadership team too? And just like elbowing her way in and then everyone else. I mean, I could see that. Everyone else is like, oh, just let her do it. And she can't Gosh, screw it up too much. Like She's going to be so fucking annoying. Like Alex, just let her do it. you know, well, they'll, they'll make sure she doesn't say. So we don't know, but hopefully it's a case of her actually being elected by her teammates to continue on in this leadership role for them, for the national That would team. be nice. It would be nice. It would give me a little more faith in... Um, Sky Blue's ability to improve this season. Right? A little bit more. Just muy poquito. Aw. Good luck to the team. I will certainly be following this over the next couple years, assuming that's how long it takes. Do you think it's really going to take years? Over a year, at least. Really? Yeah. Like, what sort of testimony? Like, what is evidence? What is testimony? Like, do... Do they have to call in, like, Nike executives and, like, uh, marketing executives and do, like, a whole market analysis of... They they have to. I don't know how deep it's going to go, but certainly the to really do it right, they would have to ask for a lot of data. Data, data, data. I mean, you and I love data, so hopefully someday that data will be public. I love data. I'm looking at data right now. Aww. Tons of data so much data so there's less exciting there's less nerdy data it's probably way more exciting uh, um, you and I were talking before the show and I was talking to you about you know wanting to discuss Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris getting engaged and publicly announcing it in People magazine of all places um, but also in conjunction with Nike did a special video about Sam Kerr and she just spoke openly about being with Nikki Stanton. Like there was no, there was no dramatic like, oh yeah, and by the way, like I'm coming out. It was just a very natural like, yeah, when I was injured, you know, I just wanted to be with my partner who happened to be a woman. And then they told that adorable little story about how Sam like had an emotional breakdown at the mall or something by the dips. And Nikki was like, yeah, you were freaking out. Like you couldn't pick a dip or something. It was very natural, and there was, you know, there was no special, like, yep, we're gay or queer or however they define their relationship, you know, special announcement. It just, more and more players are feeling, I guess, safe now, or, like, they just don't have the energy to hide at the very least. How times are a-changing. This is not the same world, like... Not even a decade ago. I'm thinking like nope. 2011 because Pino came out in 2012, I want to say. Yep. Tashikai came out like 2008 around the Olympics, but it didn't make as much of a splash for various reasons. I think one of them being women's soccer just wasn't that popular at that point. Tashikai is also a woman of color and she's very brash, outspoken. She's not as marketable as Pino for, you know, various reasons, some of them racist. So... And, you know, society wasn't as, I think, ready to hear it in 2008. But then 2011 changed the the weight on some of those factors. And then 2012, Pino comes out. More and more players start coming out. We got Lori Lindsay out, you know. It's cool. I just didn't think we'd ever get here. 
like it's weird to think about how you perceive time like when i was in my early 20s i was just like you know i, I was like the it's not going to happen until like the year 2070 you know or whatever people are going to be on the moon well you just you just imagine it's generational right like yeah. when when you're coming out as a teenager or in your early early 20s mid 20s whatever <clears throat> you've already lived a life uh, according to yourself it's it's kind of this whole re- re- relative time is relative to your experiences and so when you come out be it 16 26 36 whatever like you are doing so and maybe maybe not so much when you're like coming out when you're eight or 10 or 12 or something like that but when when you've already experienced discrimination or you've already experienced all of the not pleasant sides of society interacting with people trying to discover themselves you you daydream about a world where people don't have to experience that um they don't have to experience the negative Reactions, emotions, the shame, the distrust, all of those different things. And and you imagine, you know, it's daydreaming, it's flying cars, it's hovercrafts, it's all that different stuff because, oh my God, this pain was so real. I guess so, yeah. It just feels so distant. You can't comprehend a world like that. And and it's interesting because it's, it's not like today you can just be gay and people are totally accepting and, and open about it. Like there still is a process and there still unfortunately is like the hatred um, or the being scared or however you want to, you want to phrase that, but it's the visibility, the positive visibility of these things and the normalization is what's inspirational yeah that people article felt so wild to me because of how normal it was there was no breathless like these two gal pals are like pushing the boundaries of human love they were just like it gushed over the engagement ring they had a cute little engagement story they did you know some couples photos it was nice it talked about how, you know, they met and how they've been teammates for a long time. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't go into the creepy world of, like, super invasive. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they did talk a little bit about how they hadn't been out really until now. Because, you know, they wanted their privacy and they were also afraid of losing sponsorships and stuff, which was so valid, so real. And also... Like, reading that, I was like, okay, so at everybody who was like, well, they're basically out, so we can all just talk about them like they're out. No! No, we can't. They weren't. And I think this confirms it. They were, like, on two fronts, wanting their privacy, first of all, just because they seem to be private people, and second of all, having very valid reasons for not wanting to be, like, publicly queer figures. So not not everybody wants to be a poster child. Yeah, which is why I stand by my policy of until someone publicly says like blatantly, you know, I am X or I claim such identity or I am part of such community, you just can't assume. Like yes, maybe there's a mountain of evidence uh like that you collect, you know, like okay, when you add it all up, this person probably 99.9% is a member of the queer community but until they themselves say it I just don't think it's right at least on a professional level to speak as though they are you know well a pro- professional level but I mean so you're saying that as a writer um, as a journalist but I would also say just on a human level yeah don't speculate don't you know, you can even know because I saw them with my own two eyes. Until somebody actually gives you consent to publicize, all it is is gossip. That would be even worse if you had seen them with your own two eyes behaving like a couple and then had blasted them on the internet, knowing full well that they themselves have not made any public statement about it. Because before that, it's all speculation, it's gossip, people can ignore you. 
But if you're like, no, with my own two eyes at 8.47 p.m. Eastern time, the parking lot of, you know, Publix or whatever, I saw X and Y do this. And like, you you know, with like an element I mean, of veracity to it, I think that's it's just, worse. That's the creepy, that's the creepy level of women's soccer fandom. Sometimes, yeah. That... I think we all, I shouldn't say we all, that a lot of us are actively trying to squash. And it's the, it's the creepy level of, I mean, okay, so a little bit of a tangent here. The accessibility of women's soccer players, in re, if you compare them to their counterparts in either MLS or in any other men's league, the accessibility of our NWSL players or our women's national team players is ridiculous. And these are not low profile people. These are, these are also not people who can afford bodyguards. These are individuals who are dedicating, you know, their careers, their lives right now to the sport, to growing it, to, bettering themselves, all these different things. And the biggest fucking distraction that I see every season are people invading privacy and not giving players the space and thinking that a selfie is worth more than a person's comfort. I agree. And it's hard. It's hard. Uh, here in Portland, it's it's hard to see because you see them, you see players at the grocery store or walking down the street or something. And, you know, not everybody's always working. And it's hard as women to... Like turn down any chance for yeah. publicity? Yeah, like turn it down or, oh my God, it is flattering that you recognize me. Shit like that, you know, like... We the reason why most women smile when they are being told on the street, you'd look so much better if you smiled, Ugh. right? It's some part of that is also just a fear of like, oh my god, if I don't do what this person says, are they gonna like fucking choke me? Well, and there's also a, a an unfair expectation on women to always be accessible and personable, and to especially in a realm where it's like we need all the fans we can get to always be ready to be on and to encourage fans and be like, Oh, that's great. Talk to me. I want to hear all about it. No, I don't mind that you interrupted me while I was picking up tampons at the store. Let's go. Right. Like, uh, it's just, it's, it's extremely frustrating because everybody's all in for growing the game, growing the shit, but not everybody needs to be all in on working all the fucking time. Yeah. I mean, congratulations to them. I hope they're very happy. They've got a cute dog. Um, you know, I they hope do. They have, I hope they have an equally nice life, prosperity on them both. Yeah, party hard, guys. Party hard. And then I think the last thing that we're really going to hit big time on the show tonight is we've got a list of countries who expressed interest in bidding for the Women's World Cup. Not even that they are officially bidding, just that they have expressed interest about bidding. Keep growing the game. Keep taking those selfies. Keep, keep. Doing all this shit. Mm -hmm. Some of these countries I'm more excited about than others. But here's a list. Argentina, Australia, Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Japan, New Zealand, South Africa, and a unified Korean bid. North and South Korea. Who are you most excited about? Australia, actually. because You're know, actually going to go? Well, because I know people who live there, so I could have a couch to sleep on for a month instead of having to make you know hotel arrangements. Okay, but what if you got a sweet gig covering the World Cup and you got to make sweet hotel arrangements? Uh, in that scenario, maybe Korea. Just, you know, I haven't been back to the motherland in a while. It would be nice to go back. You know, I'd be working, but it would be nice to have somebody else pay for me to go back and get to see soccer and travel all around the country and kind of reconnect with my roots. I know there have been people primarily white, I might mention, who have made, who have brought up the issue of, you know, North Korea being a terrifying fascist oppressive regime. Um, but the only opinions I'm interested in hearing about, you know, the positives and negatives of a unified Korean bid are Korean voices. 
because it is a really thorny historical issue with a lot of different factors um, behind, you know, people who are pro or against reunification, stuff like that, that I don't think, you know, a lot of soccer media are really equipped to delve into. I feel barely equipped to delve into it, despite being Korean-American and being raised by Korean parents who had strong opinions about, you know, North and South Korea. So if you feel the urge to give your expert opinion on the status of North and South Korea and their relations right now, um, I would urge you to wait until people in Korea have their opinions about this and its intersection with the World Cup first. Just on that axis, that's my only thing. Yeah, I think um, I I think at the end of the day, it's all about listening to folks who have experiences firsthand. The people are going to be impacted by any possible unified bid. It's the the Koreans on the ground there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's important. I I would. Uh... Also be interested in Japan. I don't think New Zealand could handle it. I think they'd have to do a joint bid with Australia. Some of these countries I don't think have put in the work with their women's teams to be worthy of a World Cup. I know people have expressed the opinion that, oh, you know, if you give them a World Cup, then they'll invest in their women's teams. I think that's a bad (laughs) approach. I think it's a bad approach. They need to show the commitment before you give them the World Cup. Because after the World Cup is gone, what's going to happen? They're going to drop the women's team. What does commitment look like? Um, a certain level of funding, a certain number of like guaranteed camps, like ensuring a certain number of players have a living wage, um, and probably development of your youth program, at least down to like the U17 level. I think it's the development of the youth program, but also development of a, of a, some sort of league of some kind. League and, and uh, commitment to a coaching pathway and refereeing yeah. training training as well. Yeah, I think it's really just developing what. I mean, it's having some sort of like attendance growth. Um, so maybe you're hosting more matches, uh, but a lot of a lot of the federations. Ac- in the world, um, I would say those probably like outside of the top 10, their women's team don't really play all that often. They don't really come together as a team all that often unless it's a World Cup or an Olympic year. So I would love to see FIFA establish some actual standards for when they're even willing to entertain it. Are you excited in particular for any of the countries on this list? Japan. That's what I, am, I am excited for Japan because they're going to have the Olympics. Mm. And so I think that that's, I think that Japan, A, would have the facilities. Um, B, they're going to be developing and growing uh, their international program. Um, C, hype, hype, hype. I mean, if they get both of those, like, holy shit. Well, they've already got the Olympics. So... I think Japan hosting the World Cup would just amplify all of the stuff. And then, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Japan? They've certainly invested in their women's program, and I think they've demonstrated an audience for women's soccer. The they Nideshiko, have le- a league. They have a league. The Nadeshiko are, like, superstars. The Japan press, like, they're very interested. They're, they always show up at the international games. Like, that's crazy. All that travel. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's super cool. So that would be a great place to grow it. I mean, if a country like Brazil was willing to show the commitment, I actually would love for a World Cup to take place there. But, you know, like we said, there needs to be certain assurances that they're not just, like, papering over the problems to get the World Cup. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like they need to guarantee some kind of commitment over a period of time that lasts beyond the World Cup. I just don't think that that's a, a reasonable. Like I think it's a good expectation to have. Uh-huh. I just don't think it's reasonable in <clears throat> as a negotiable, like a negotiating thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Maybe yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think it's a really, really good idea. I just don't see how 
especially I I just yeah without an established league or without the thought that I have is something along the lines of with the amount of transparency within media and reporting and everything like that it is hard for me to comprehend that corruption is still just happening out in the open but it does right and you have to kind of assume that so I guess what I'm saying is it has to already be established not that they have to promise to do it once the World Cup happens no no that's not what I mean I mean like they have to establish it and promise that like it'll continue for some period of time after the World Cup Mm. I think, you know, FIFA's in a position to demand that, especially as the Women's World Cup grows and gets more and more money out of um, the broadcast deals and the sponsorships. I really think that if FIFA is serious about making a commitment to growing women's soccer, and why wouldn't they? Because they can make money off of it. Which is now, it's just now being proven, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. I mean, part of it is their own negligence. Like, they weren't spending the money to make the money. Uh, what if what if there's a class action lawsuit against FIFA for the exact same reason? That's interesting. Who would be the class? Like, all, all women's all soccer players? All of them. They would have to come up with some kind of reason why a ruling would benefit all of them, you know, within the the confines of a class action. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking, like, actual logistics of uh-huh. it, but... You know what they could do it through, maybe, is FIFPro. Mm-hmm. It would just be interesting. Yeah. Even if it were symbolic and it got thrown out of court, if someone's willing to, you know, cash out on some lawyer's fees for that to make a gesture. Although, if it gets trashed too badly, I would also worry about precedent for yes. any future cases. Yeah. Like if it hurt the ability of players in the future to bring a more winnable case. I don't know. I'm just saying. This could all be solved if Gianni Infantino would just meet me for like three three minute rounds and we have like a gentleman's agreement where we shake hands before where it's like, all right, if I win, I get to be in charge of decisions about women's soccer and you cannot object. And if you win, I will stop trash talking FIFA for like five years. There you go. I'm sure the value of one is equal to the other. Absolutely. He would definitely Absolutely. be like, yeah, I'll take that deal. You trash he, talking FIFA hurts he a lot. He is signed on. And then, you know, obviously it would be properly refereed and we'd have safety equipment and everything. And then obviously. You know, like we could stream it and make a little bit of money off of it. Just a little bit. Yeah. This could, uh, this could pay for our World Cup adventures. <laughs> Absolutely. I think okay. this is a kick. This is worthy of Kickstarter. Patreon. Because people Patreon. people aren't even gambling on who they think would win. They're no, just paying. No gambling. It's pay-per-view. Yeah, exactly. Let's call HBO. Okay, sure. Do you know anyone at HBO? Not off the top of my head, but I'm sure between two of us, we could rub a couple sticks together I mean, and figure it out. I I am friends with uh, the HBO family, so Mr. HBO. Mr. HBO? Yeah, Here we it's go. actually pronounced Mr. Ho. The B is silent. Oh, boy. What else we got? Just some quick hits. We've seen some really cool deals going on elsewhere in women's soccer. We've got a record audience over in Spain. It was an Atleti versus Barca game. It was over 60,000 people. That interests me because I want to know the specifics of what's going on behind building that audience. Like, I want average audience tenances. I want ticket prices. I want marketing. Like, what's the crossover between men's and women's teams? Like, in terms of audience. Like, because... That's a great number, and uh-huh. I would love to see it happen for, like, the whole league in Spain. There needs to be a lot of market analysis there. Yeah, very interested in that. And then Barclays just did a deal to be a sponsor of the FAWSL. Like, a big deal. We're talking That's a, that is a big deal. Multi-millions of pounds or euros or whatever it's going to be after Brexit, I guess. Gold. In We're galleons? Just going straight to gold. It's in galleons. Galleons. Oh my god. It's going to be in Bitcoin. Uh, I read a great post about one of the logical flaws in the Wizarding World, which is so you can 
uh, make exchanges between muggle and wizarding money. We know this from the books because Hermione's parents have to exchange muggle money for wizarding money, right? Okay. The price of gold and silver in the muggle world fluctuates, even though it seems to be static in the wizarding world at the exchange rate between galleons, sickles, and nuts. So why wouldn't you, like, when gold is high in the muggle world, just go sell all your wizarding gold, right? And then, like, when silver is low, use the money from that to buy up all the silver. Like, just basically play the the muggle um, gold and silver market because that market fluctuates and the wizarding world market never does. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Maybe that's how the Malfoys got rich? Which would be such a scam. We can't go sidetrack into this too much. Anyway. Why not? I'm I'm totally good. That would be such a scandal because the Malfoys are an, an ancient family that emphasized purity and being separate from muggles and like wizard domination. So if it came to light that they were making money by playing the muggle money market. I mean, isn't that how all bad guys end up making money is by doing the shit that they preach not to do? Yeah, that's true. It's I'm just saying. By doing, you know, either white collar crimes or like shady shit. Uh, that's our show we hope it was a good one for you to come back to (laughs) and that's all folks yeah uh, if you have any questions going into NWSL preseason we'll probably want to take those as NWSL is in season we'll probably get more on a schedule I don't know if we'll manage to do like a, a show a week like we really aimed to do last year I think we were pretty on top of that mostly but this we year, missed, it was just towards the end. Yeah. Well, this year it's going to get messed up with the World Cup anyway. I'm gone for a month. So. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Who knows? So we June is just a black hole of uncertainty. And we might actually just have to count on that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thank you guys for sticking with us through, you know, our very uncertain schedule. But as the season comes back into swing, you know, vacation time's over time to put on your big girl pants and start paying attention to everything exactly (sighs) all right i'm ready i'm ready bring it